As you know, we do not have any advertisements here on our podcast. Often I get asked, well, how can I give back, John? How can I help? I've got two simple asks for you. First, share the podcast with a friend, someone that you think can benefit from the information. And secondly, if you haven't already, please join the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate, something I am super proud of and would love your participation and to have you join and add value to a community with like-minded advisors. So to join, go to joinfass.com. Look forward to seeing you in there. Welcome to the Quantum Growth Podcast, empowering financial advisors to build practices for the 21st century by providing insights and interviews on leadership, strategy, and practice management. Now here's your host, Barron's Hall of Fame advisor, Jonathan Cutton. Very much looking forward to our topic for today. And I did tell you, John, that selfishly, I wanted to dive a little bit into this. So the entrepreneurial operating system what is it? And why should we be using it? Why should the FAST advisors be implementing it? Can we go a little bit deeper into that today? We can. Yes. Uh, your wish is my command. So, <laughs> um, you know, EOS or the entrepreneurial operating system is um, something that my firm has used. I think we're in our third year uh, of using it. And what's interesting is the more I listen to podcasts, read books, meet influential people, lots of really good businesses, really good businesses uh, in the industry actually run on EOS. So we've talked a little bit about it on podcasts and some other things uh, that I've done. But interestingly, um, you know, Dan Sullivan, uh, you know, from Strategic Coach, who I love to say I got to uh, interview, had the privilege of interviewing um, the um uh, the pioneer of EOS, uh, who actually wrote the book Traction, is actually a client of Dan Sullivan's as oh, well, no which is kind of cool. So, yeah. it yeah, it's like this little all you know all all these very successful entrepreneurial businesses seem to have this commonality that they run on EOS. So, the best way that I could describe EOS is just by the title, right? The Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's a, it's a system for people or business owners who may have accidentally become entrepreneurs, right? So, um, you know, as you think about it, most of us, you know, got into the wealth management industry or the insurance industry, depending on how uh, our listeners kind of cut their teeth. And the concept was, well, how do I become a financial advisor and help people achieve their financial goals? It wasn't necessarily how do I build this thriving business and lead other people and kind of have this vision uh, for the future. So what EOS really does is it kind of gives you a step-by-step -step guide of how to actually grow an organization and a process to follow. And that that to me is um, really, you know, the, uh, the easiest way to think about it is it's just, it's a system, it's a process, and it's actually developed by a profit from another land. So as the CEO of your own company, when you bring that to your followers, your employees or your partners, what's nice about it is it's not your idea, right? So you're actually taking somebody else's idea in a way and be able to say, hey, let's go learn this together and implement it throughout the firm. So 
that leads me to my next question. So who, so it should be the CEO that is bringing this to the partner. Should it be the partners bringing it to junior advisors? You no, know, who's the best person to kick it off? And, and then how does it kind of trickle down from there? Yeah. Good question. Um, I think it, I think it doesn't matter where it comes from necessarily. Right. But um, ultimately when you think about the EOS system, the whole premise of it is that there's a, in a business, there should be a visionary and there should be what the book calls an integrator. Okay. And everybody should go read Traction. If you haven't read Traction uh, yet, that's, that's the book that kind of describes EOS as well. Um, but ultimately the way I look at it, most business owners, particularly financial advisors, they're forced to play both roles, right? Because most of our listeners, it might be themselves individually, it might be themselves with maybe a staff person or, uh, you know, maybe some are bigger that have a, a larger team of two, three, five, maybe 10, 20 uh, folks inside of their organization or more. Um, but for most of us, we have a natural, unique ability and tendency to either be the visionary uh, or to be more of an integrator. And what happens is when, you know, every day you've got to do both it becomes draining because you're not necessarily um, doing the thing that you like to do best, right? So in my business, as an example, Jenna, um, I played both roles uh, for years, right? It was it was the vision that I had, and then it was me trying to run the process myself and then ultimately run it through people uh, that I, I engaged and hired, who's, right? But ultimately, when my business started to really scale, is when I realized my highest purpose, my best use is to think about the future, right? And that's where that 10X is easier than 2X that we talk a lot about comes in. And what I needed to do was to hire people who can actually see my vision and then be able to give it to them so that they could ultimately be that integrator role and do all of the really hard work of driving that vision to life. Yeah, love that. And I think that's really important for our listeners, because I think right now some people are saying, well, you know, I've got this great vision, but I'm the one who's doing it all. How does this work? So I think that makes a lot of sense. Anton actually poses to our uh, company meeting this week as sort of a 2024 goal to really start getting this integrated into our company um, with also the goal of me kind of integrating with some of our internal team members. So he showed us what's called the vision traction organizer. Is that correct? Yep. 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 So can we talk a little bit about that and how that's useful when it comes to actually getting some of this in place so it's a more tangible thing to get our hands around? Yep. And I'm very well aware of that because I've been helping Anton, as you yes. know, with, with the yeah. system on the side. So yeah, so the VTO, the Vision Tracker Organizer, uh, it's kind of a weird thing to say, right? It's it's really, it's a two-page document um, and we can post it uh, inside of the syndicate as well, right? I think we can do that. Sure. Um, and really what it helps you to do is get clear on your vision, on your mission, on your values, on kind of your, your uniqueness, if you will, um, inside of your organization. And then ultimately what it does is the way I like to use it is I start with the 10 year vision, right? So I start going 10 years from now, what can this, in this case, financial planning business look like? And you have to dream a little bit. And, you know, what I've realized, so I went out and when we rolled this out a few years ago, what I, in my organization, we have beachheads, like we call them separate beachheads, which are really um, businesses inside of my business that there is a CEO 
and leader for each of those organizations, right? So it's kind of like seven distinct businesses inside of my one business kind of regions. And we had an offsite meeting and we kind of talked through this. We all read the book. We all learned about it at the same time. Uh, and then I sent everyone. So my partner and I had already created our 10-year vision for the whole organization. And then we sent these seven beachhead leaders um, kind of in different parts of the ballroom we were in and said, great, you guys sit at the table and go, go through the same process. Dream big, come up with where you think you can be in 10 years um, and you know, dream a little bit. Um, most of my beachhead leaders are integrators. They're not necessarily visionaries, by the way. And that's why they've joined me in, right. in, uh, in a lot of ways. So to make a long story short, um, our goal at the time was to, it's, it's since increased dramatically, by the way, but it was to be a $250 million annual revenue business in 10 years. This is three years ago. Uh, and it was in order to do that, we would need to get to about 30 billion of assets under management. And we were probably, when we did this, maybe six or seven billion, five, six, seven, I forget exactly where we were. Uh, and we were probably doing uh, maybe 40 million, right, in revenue. And make a, again, a long story short, again, the seven beachhead leaders went out, and this is all the business goes through those seven beachhead leaders. And although our goal was to go get to the $250 million number, when I added up what their goals were, it was to get to like 90 million, right? So we were, they were just thinking, how do I get from, at the time we were at 40, they were looking to double, right? Go from 40 to 90, a little bit more than double in 10 years. And here Jake and I are, my business partner going, no, we're going to 300 or 250 million, right? So when we walk through that, I pose to the group, I'm like, so, you guys want me to go create 25 beachheads in order to reach our goal because we're going to reach our goal and they all went back and they just uh, you know my long-winded story is they weren't thinking big enough right on what is actually possible you forget 10 years is a long time it's 40 quarters and what i always say when i try to teach this is here we are it's january 5th of 2024 go back to january 5th of 2014, right? Right. So, Jenna, I didn't know you in January 1st, 2014, right? I met Jenna. I don't know. We, I think we might have known each other then. No, not 10, not, not almost. 10. Almost, we're almost there, maybe, maybe 2015. I, I think it was seven or eight years ago, but uh, actually maybe, because you're, you know, you might be right. It might've been right around there because uh, I'm thinking Anton and I don't know each other quite that long. But the, the point is 10 years is a long time, right? You go back and you go, well, how much business was I doing 10 years ago? How old was I? How old were my kids? What was the world like, right? And you don't realize that, but when you think 10 years is a long time and you can accomplish a lot. So the whole kind of concept here is most people underestimate what they can do in a year. I'm sorry, overestimate what they can do in a year. Um, and they think uh, I'll have a 30 or 40% increase in my business in the next 12 months. Um, and the reality is that's really hard to do, right? Because you got to build momentum to do that. But they dramatically underestimate what they can do in 10 years. So if I look at myself as an example, and I'm, I'm making up data, but I'll give you directionally data, um, directionally right data. I would say in 2014, I was right around a billion, right? So 10 years later, I'm, I'm approaching 10 billion. Right. And if I said to somebody 10 years ago, I'm going to go from a billion to 10 billion, they would have been like, man, you're crazy. Right. Um, and I don't even know if I was at a billion, to be honest, it might have been less than that at that point in time. Right. 
but my vision was that big, right? That I, I had to think differently. And that's really what this is all about. It all ties to this 10X is easier than 2X and how, how to actually utilize EOS. It's how do you actually understand that 10 year VTL? And then you just have to start to think about, well, what will it look like, right? So as I get there, well, what will the profits look like? How many people, what kind of roles would I need to have in the organization? How many people would report to me? Would I need a, a C-suite, right? How many you know, accounting firms would I need to work with? How many M&A deals would I need to do? Would I need a whole team to do those things? How would I get the capital to buy these businesses? Do I want to own an accounting firm, right? So it's all these things that are in our heads that are dreams, right? That ultimately, if you start to put them down on paper, and you dream in 10 years, and then you bring it back to, well, where will I be in three years? And then most importantly, what is it I need to do to get where I want to go 12 months from now, and then ultimately quarterly, right? And that's where rocks come into play. And in, in EOS, they call it rocks. And a rock is, you know, is, is something that generally you have a, a quarter, so 13 weeks to have a focus on a very specific few things. And what the book recommends is generally for most people, three rocks or less is reasonable. And for most people going over five or six when you get good good at this is really difficult, right? So I always say this because it makes a big impact when I say it. I have about 200 people in my organization. If the average person in my organization has three rocks each, Right, which is about right. Uh, and in fact, in 16 minutes, we're actually doing our rock review uh, because we created new rocks for Q1 uh, here and we're making sure that we lock them in for everybody. Um, 600 rocks that we're trying to drive, right? 200 people, three things. If we can accomplish 600 things this quarter, that's a lot of stuff to get accomplished for a lot of people, right? Now, if I could do it again next quarter, it's 1,200. For the full year, it's 2,400. You start to think in those terms, I'll add more people as well. But let's say I didn't add more people. We're going to accomplish 2,400 things this year as an organization. Multiply that times 10 years, you accomplish 24,000 things. Okay. And what the key here, Jen, and I'd like to spend a little time on it. Now, I want to get some of your sense on it. It, it ties into what you and I have talked about in past sessions here, the kind of leading versus lagging indicator right. conversation. Yeah. Um, it, it's about what is a rock, right? So as you think about it, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. As you think about what, you know, what is a rock, what 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 would you think as you're thinking about rocks or the important things to be kind of thinking through? Well, wouldn't that be a leading indicator? Because it's actually things that you have to accomplish. So we always tie it back to losing weight. So it yep. would be the drinking more water, going to the gym, uh, you know, eating better instead of my, you know, overall goal, which would be to lose more weight. Yep, exactly right. So think, so think about it this way. And this is the biggest mistake that my team still makes. I expect in 14 minutes now, right, when I come uh, into the session and we do our rock review that although we've been doing this for several years, some of my advisors and team will actually not pick the right type of rock. So the way I think about it is I always think about a rock as the next best action, okay? So it's it's what's the next best action 
in order to bring that 10-year vision to life. And, and it's always going to be different. So for someone, the next best action might be time spent to study for their Series 7 mm. because they'd like to become a financial advisor, right? For some, it might be time spent searching for a junior advisor so that they can resegment their business. For some, it might be deploying a new marketing strategy, right? So what's really important is that you spend a ton of thinking time going, what is the next best thing for me to do? Not the one I wanna do, but the one that I need to do to generally you know, create the space so that you'll in the future be able to focus on some of the bigger boulders, I'll call them, right? So a lot of times you hear advisors say, well, I'm so busy, I have too many clients, right? And they say, so, but, but, but what I wanna do is I wanna build more partnerships with CPAs or I wanna go find a, a business to buy. Well, that's fantastic. But if you're too busy with clients, right? The reality is your next best action might be to either sell a portion of your book of business push your book of business to a junior advisor, hire a junior advisor. And it might take you a year to figure that part out so that you actually create the space so that you can acquire practices or find CPAs. So, you know, it all ties in together where um, we talk some, I know, Jenna, you're familiar with the five levels of leadership that Ray Kelly uh, has taught a lot of us, right? Level one can get a task done when told what to do. A level two can identify problems right? And a level three can solve problems. So I think about it this way, what most businesses do and why they get stuck is they say they want to do something, work with CPAs, buy, buy businesses, whatever it may be. And then they say, but I can't because I'm too busy because I have too many clients and too much in personal demands and so on, et cetera. So becoming level three is actually picking the right rocks or the right leading indicators so that you understand how to solve the problem. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the, the problem isn't that you don't know how to build partnerships with CPAs. The problem is you don't do it, right? And why don't you do it? Because you have baggage in your brain that I'm too busy seeing clients. And that might be, you know, might be the case. So the question is the next best action for that person might actually be the steps to reduce the size of their client base. And to reduce the size of their client base, they might actually go need to find and develop a junior advisor in order to do that or make a decision to sell the business. So that might be what they need, or a portion of this is what they might need to do for those 13 weeks. So um, the other really important piece that I find advisors make mistake in themselves and leading their team is they pick rocks that are what I will call table stakes, okay? And what I mean when I say that is they pick something that they're already doing. Uh, okay. So therefore, it's just every week you measure this rock, right? And you come in and you go, fantastic. Yeah, check. Yeah, it's like saying brushing my teeth is a rock. Right, right, okay. right. Fantastic. I could say yes, or you know, uh, you know, getting to work, I want to show up to work every day, uh, is a rock as an example. No, that that's a must-do. It's it's table right. stakes. So the key is, and this is where, again, if you can accomplish three things in a quarter that are going to move the needle towards the 10-year goal, once those things happen for 13 weeks, usually some of them are now habitual and part of what you do. 
And now let's say you pick three rocks, you accomplished two of the three, but one, one you're not there yet. Well, now the next quarter, what should be happening is the two that are habitual are table stakes. You just do that now, yeah. right? And now the next quarter, you have one as a carry forward that you didn't, you didn't master yet, but now you had two more rocks, mm -hmm. right? So in the course of the year, the concept that we use is if you can hit those um, you know, those rocks 80% of the time over, no one's going to do it hundred percent of the time. We're not perfect humans, but if 80% of the time you could hit whatever that KPI is, whatever that rock is, that leading indicator, man, the progress that you'll make, and then you keep stacking habits. We've all heard stacking habits by the end of that year, you've gotten to an unbelievably different place. Right. And then right. you just start to think bigger and bigger and you just learn how to actually accomplish uh, those big initiatives. I love it so much. It makes so much sense. What about those, you know, we've had struggles with this in our company of just having so many things you want to focus on, right? So they're, you're trying to narrow it down. You're thinking about the next best thing, but so many things seem important. You're juggling plates. You know, how do you find what that core focus is that you can really, you know, how do, how do you decipher between if things are really important and maybe for some of the sole practitioners on here or, you know, who are just doing things on their own. How do you kind of it's prioritize? It's it's the hardest thing to do. And that's the key is, right, if you're, um, you know, our, our friend Paul Latham talks about being a, a plate spinner and all that kind of thing. It, it's that's where the planning comes in. So to put in perspective, we started, we you know, we started on our VTO in November. It's now January and we're 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 late, by the way. We should be done, but we're lot. We're finally locking in our rocks right now, um, and we we battle over it, right? And when you get good at it, the first time that you do it, you can pick the wrong rocks a little bit, right? And you're going to struggle with it, and et cetera. And then over time, what happens is you get better and better at it, and ultimately, um, you know what what I think is the more the the clearer you get on really what the vision is, what happens is you start to get this level of clarity, like I said, to go, this is the next best action. And it's usually something in the beginning that is small, right? So I'll, just, I'll give you an example, right? So, and it's funny, I said this to a group, I do a mastermind group with um, about 15, like $5 million plus producers. And they love this. And it was just a couple of days ago. So it's fresh in my mind. And we were talking a little bit about leading indicators. And I said, well, guys, you know, here's how I look at it. If you have five advisors on your team, okay, or it's just you yourself. But in the example is a bigger team. I said five advisors. I said, let's say one of the things you want to do in your practice is do more financial planning for a fee. You want to charge more planning fees for ongoing comprehensive advice to clients. And you have 20% of your clients have planning and 80% don't, which is very common, right? Where advisors don't always charge for it. Well, a, a really nice, a really great rock would be at least two times a week, each advisor on our team will ultimately have two conversations with existing clients about nothing other than the, the reason that they should engage in comprehensive financial planning for a fee. So I say it that way on purpose. It's not, hey, in your meetings, when you happen to have one at the end, if you can find three minutes to talk about planning. No, spend an hour with a client. In fact, take them out to coffee is how we do it. Take them out for coffee, breakfast, lunch, or dinner um, and say, I just want to have a conversation with you and then spend an hour 
just talking about your passion and how you could provide value to that client around financial planning and that the annual cost is X, $2,000 a year, okay? Um, one of somebody in the, uh, in FASS actually asked about planning and fees and what to charge and yeah. all that. So if you did that twice a week for a full year, let's say, let's say that was a rock that you said, we're going to do it all four quarters. You would have a hundred conversations with a hundred different clients around plan. Right. If your conversion ratio, meaning your yes ratio was 50%, which would stink by the way, because we do this in our practice and it's usually 90%. But if it was 50%, you will have gotten 50 clients to engage in comprehensive ongoing financial planning for $2,000 a piece. You just drove $100,000 of new recurring revenue. You've defined your process and you've actually created, in my opinion, likely a better experience for the client. What you've also done is maybe you've built 100,000 of new recurring revenue, which allows you to kick your C clients to the curb in a nice way who don't want to engage in planning. And now you have that extra time and you have a more profitable business, right? So if you take that, it could be about financial planning. It could be about a conversation around fee-based money management, insurance, annuities, a, a, a real referral ask, whatever it may be. Um, you start to get good at those things. And that to me is part of self-leadership is figuring out well, what, what do I need to do that I need to hold myself accountable to, right? No different than vision, plan, desire. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. But when you can actually start to help people on your team with their thinking, because it doesn't come as natural to them to know what the next best action is, then you have a process to hold them accountable, desire, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now you're cooking with gas and you're creating a whole bunch of change. So part of the process as well, Jenna, is um, there's something called the IDS process, uh, which stands for identify, I think it's identify, discuss and solve, right? I forget what some of these acronyms are, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> There's so many, I know. And, and what that is, is generally in our team, we do this every Monday, right? So once you lock in what the rocks actually are, and let's say, you know, Jenna, you're running this, you're saying for elite resource team, there's 15 employees in elite resource team, I'm making this up. You're gonna run this for 15 people, right? As the integrator of the business, you're sitting there with the spreadsheet, right? If it's virtual, you're on the screen. And this is literally what we're about to do in three minutes in my company, right? And we're going great. Um, employee number one, I don't know everybody's name, right? Here are your three rocks, okay? And it was, you know, uh, uh, financial plan, you know, have two financial planning conversations. It was make an hour day worth of cold calls. I'm making this up. And it was send, uh, you know, uh, 10 handwritten notes to clients a week to improve the client experience, just like you know, random examples. You're literally gonna go to employee number one and just say, if you were my employee, Jenna, um, on, on rock number one, yes or no? Play with me. Yes. <laughs> rock number two, yes or no? Yes. Rock number three, give me a no. No. Okay. Employee number two, rock number one, yes or no? Yes or no, yes or no. Employee number eight, employee number 12, employee mm -hmm. number 15. There's no judgment. I'm not trying to solve any problems right there. Okay. It's a little bit of an accountability to say, did you do it or not? It's binary, right? We talk about rocks as being binary. You either did it or you didn't. Okay. Right. That, and that's the identify, right? And then the next part of the process is to discuss and to say, great, of my 15 employees, 
10 out of the 15 hit all their rocks. Congratulations. Fantastic. Jenna, you struggled with rock number three. Let's discuss it. Tell me about it. Why? Well, I got too busy and my, you know, my senior advisor, Mary, you know, kept interrupting me and, you know, whatever it may be. Well, the group is now, it's not for you, Jenna, to actually, as the leader of the group, it's not for you to solve it. It's for you to actually create the discussion. And the reason for that is so that the other 14 people in the room are learning the thinking process of actually solving their own problems, right? right. And you'll come to the conclusion of, well, is it in your calendar? Do you have a model calendar? Have you had a conversation with, I forget, your boss, Mary, or whatever I said the name was about it, which brings you to leading up, right, conversations. And what it does is it just puts everybody in a mindset of how do you solve the S, right, the problem, so that more often than not, we're able to actually get to 80% of our goals. And like in our firm, I could tell you last year, um, we were disappointed. We we ran at 57% was the number of our rocks were accomplished firm-wide. Some people were 80% plus, some people were 12%, right? Had a, had a, a lot of struggle. Um, but the goal is for me is how do I get the whole organization 80% of the time or better to be able to do that with 200 people, man, I got 200 people, 600 rocks a quarter, 80% of that is 480 rocks solved. If we could make momentum on 480 non-table stake things, which means it's not something we're already doing, it's something we aspire to do, the growth that you ultimately get from that is crazy. I love it so much. And it's so nice to see that, you know, if you're actually tracking this, where you can really pivot where things are working and they're not, if you're not tracking this and actually making it into something tangible, getting really clear on it and being really purposeful is what I was hearing from you of just, Hey, this is my rock. And this is my goal. Either you did it or you didn't, but at least you're spending the time knowing, you know, where that time is being spent, which is yep. the only way you can get better or worse. Right. Exactly. What we say, Jenna, and then we'll, we'll wrap because I do have to run to that meeting, but what we say is um, rocks are non-negotiables, mm. right? So I'd rather you have one rock if you're really not committed to do three, right. what, whatever it is, accomplishing that thing, whatever that rock is, has to have a really big impact on getting to the 10 year goal. Right. And like I said, sometimes it's small, like some of our people's rocks are study an hour a day for the series seven. Right. Um, it, it could be as simple as that for somebody, because for a junior person who aspires to be an advisor, that's their next best action. Right. For a business development person on our team, it could be, um, you know, have, uh, you know, have no less than one meeting a week with a recruiter, mm -hmm. right? Like with a new recruiter, as an example. Man, all of a sudden, what happens if you meet 13 new recruiters about how to find M&A opportunities? Eventually, something good's going to actually happen, right? And that's the key is if you pick the right things, eventually, you know, it's not luck. You're actually creating your luck. And it adds to that motivation too. I want to keep, now I want 16 the next quarter and continuing on. So love so just, that. Thing. Come back to me next week. Uh, same place, same time with some more questions about EOS. And why don't we stay in the EOS journey for a little bit? I love, love it. Please, please. I want to know all about it. This was a great start. Thanks everyone. 
As you know, we do not have any advertisements here on our podcast. Often I get asked, well, how can I give back, John? How can I help? I've got two simple asks for you. First, share the podcast with a friend, someone that you think can benefit from the information. And secondly, if you haven't already, please join the Financial Advisor Success Syndicate, something I am super proud of and would love your participation and to have you join and add value to a community with like-minded advisors. So to join, go to joinfass.com. Look forward to seeing you in there. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You can find the episode show notes and subscribe for updates by visiting cuttonconsultinggroup.com forward slash podcast. Make sure to subscribe and download the episodes on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you next week.